Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. On. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Kirk Dace. Kirk has been featured on Forbes podcasts and radio shows in the U.S. He is the CEO and founder of two companies, Treehouse 51, a digital agency in Newport Beach, California, and The Bug Squasher, a universal web app that helps you diagnose site issues. Kirk, Pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Morgan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you kind of work us through your background and, and how it's led to what you're doing now? Sure. So I actually started um, just like in the freelancing world, a lot of things for free. I remember back in college working on websites, as an example, I'm doing stuff. You remember MySpace? Just yep. <laughs> making MySpace for people and just doing it for free. And then living life and being like, oh, wait, I could get paid for that. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then that kind of drove me down that rabbit hole of marketing. Uh, my background actually is in screenwriting and storytelling. So I get to use that a lot in my world. Okay. Very cool. What, what types of things did you learn from kind of screenwriting and storytelling that's kind of helped you through your career? One of the biggest things I learned, uh, I used to work for an ad agency. I won't say their name. They're out here. And it was one of the first ad agencies I ever worked for. It's been years and I uh, got the job as a copywriter and they had a team of about 10 people. And in my first month there, they fired all 10 people and outsourced them. Wow. They kept me around and I just remember being like, oh man, is it always going to be like this? And it was my first agency experience where I was like, what is going on? And I remember having a talk with the owner of the company and he said, you know, the reason we're keeping you around is because you come up with ideas. And I think that has a lot to do with my screenwriting background. Traditionally, when websites or back in the day when websites were built and even marketing campaigns, it's very basic. It's very like, here's a list of 10 items you got to check off. And with screenwriting and that whole creative aspect, there's, we're still hitting those 10 items, but I try to put a story or, or an angle to it. So that's for me, has been like one of the things that have helped me really like capture new business and work with people and stand out from a crowd. Yeah, Absolutely. I think marketing and sales, it's all about, or I don't want to say it's all about, but people, you know, make decisions on emotion and they reason them out with logic. And you really have to have a good story behind, you know, your product, your service, or, you know, even yourself in order to promote and communicate, you know, your ideas and your value to people. 
What were some of the uh, ways you got to use your creativity while working at that ad agency? Well, for them, uh, I remember one of the jobs that they had, they had this client that was in uh, stem cell research. And so what they wanted was they wanted to have about 50 websites made, uh, created. So I got to build these websites. But the twist was they wanted it to be created as if a woman, a mother had made these websites. So I remember um, that being such an experience lasted for a few months leaving that ad agency, going to other jobs, joining other teams, even with Trios 51, having the opportunity to uh, just make promos and commercials for companies. Um, I have a lot of friends in the film industry out here, and it's a process. It's a process to break in, get on set, um, be part of that creative process. You have to work your way up. Um, being outside that circle and like having nine to five jobs and being on marketing teams and telling them like, hey, I have a screenwriting background. I know people in the film industry. We can shoot a promo for you if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, the process is a lot simpler. It's a lot easier, a lot quicker, especially in the private sector. A lot of them are like, yeah, let's do videos. Let's make that stuff happen. Absolutely. Treehouse 51 and your web app, The Bug Squasher. How did those kind of come into play? When did you start? Treehouse 51 and, and kind of how has it led to your other projects? So Treehouse 51, I think it's we've been around for about four years now or so. I was working nine to five job on a marketing team and I knew all these great marketing people from just different jobs, ad agencies, life. And then meanwhile, I still had that film background, still had my film friends who were doing stuff. And I just had this moment in life, just one of those things that happened where I was like, you know, what would the world look like if I just stopped working the nine to five life, rolled the dice and built something, built this creative hub where I got my friends and I got all these marketing people who are data driven and then these creative guys and just got them all together. What would that look like? And that was the birth of Trios 51. It was bringing these two different minds together and building this digital agency to see if we could help other businesses. And we've been pretty fortunate. Um, I'm not going to lie. It has been a humbling experience. Uh, it mm. wasn't easy in the beginning there's still like so many things where how do you know what you don't know and Mm. um been around for a few years Uh, the bug squasher actually um that's a pretty funny story so our bread and butter is building websites although we do everything under the umbrella of marketing most people come to us to build websites and over a year ago we had a client she was an older lady she sends me this email Uh, we were making a website for her she sends me this email it's like ten thousand words single space and she's upset. And it, her email reads as if I had ran over her puppy. So she is <laughs> not a happy camper. It was painful because I'm reading this email and I'm like, what's the problem? Like, what is the real problem? I wish I could remember what the problem was, but it's something to do with the site. And there was something really small on a page. And she didn't tell me what page it was. And I, I, could, I didn't know. So I had to give her a call. It was worse. <laughs> it just exploded. <laughs> in face. And she was like, how do you not know this stuff? And she was an older lady. And kind of like long story short, as we got to talking, what we learned was is that there actually wasn't a problem with the website. The problem was is that she was on the website using Internet Explorer. And I'm like, who uses Internet Explorer? Apparently, she's (laughs) a person. And so I go to the guys and I tell them this and we're laughing and crying on the inside because in development, you come across these issues. Eventually, you come across these issues and some are big and some are small, but it happens. And we're talking and we're laughing. And then I I just had this epiphany and I was like, you know, she really expected us to be able to solve this issue without talking to her. And I'm telling the guys this. And then I'm like, what would the world look like if we could solve a problem without having to put the client on the spot? You know, what if it was really on us 
to be able to provide some type of service where we could be like, okay, there's something going on. There's some type of bug. And all you have to do is click a button and we'll know all this information that we're going to ask you. We're going to ask you an email or phone call or Skype or text. We need to know this to diagnose the problem. And so that was the birth of the bug squasher. And we've been using it to really just cut down on, we're trying to promote it. Um, The story behind is like, reduce your support tickets. You have this tool. Anybody can use it. It's easy to install. works on any framework. You click a button and then people can report bugs. People who are non-techie can report bugs and then people who are techie can report bugs. And you get a really nice bug report. And then a couple of the cool features that people like about it are that you can actually video record. Um, so a lot of people mm. are liking that feature. Yeah. That, that is such an interesting story about like the genesis of that product. I mean, you, you're solving your own issue that you're having, you're solving the the client's issue. And this product is really born out of solving this one narrow need. I'm really fascinated with, with like niche products. I mean, it's not necessarily a niche product, but products that as soon as you see them, as soon as you go to the landing page and you, you read the headline, you're like, yep, I know exactly what that is. I know exactly what that problem that solves. And if you're in that market, if you're looking for something like that, you're immediately attracted to it. There's really no kind of like, what is this? I don't really kind of understand what it does. I mean, you know, it looks cool, but aside from that, you know, how is it really going to help me? So you can see that too. When you, when you go to the, uh, the homepage of the site, you can really see um, that value. I'm interested to hear a little bit more about those early days at Treehouse 51. I mean, you're bringing all these people together. You just quit your job. You're starting from scratch. How did you fund it? How did you know what to do first? Like, what did you focus on? And how did you kind of grow until the point where things started clicking? You were like, okay, I I got this. Yeah, that's a great question. So in the beginning, uh, what I actually did when I quit my job is I took my last paycheck and I put it all to building Treehouse 51. It was on me. I built a basic WordPress site, nothing fancy, had it paid for like designs, um, did all the copy, created a bunch of blogs, started making videos. I built everything and it took a couple months and it was it was seven days a week, just like every day, create the content, build out the site, build out the site, build out the site. And the reason I was building it out was phase, that was phase one, you know, have a site for people to come to. And then phase two was, all right, now we need clients. Getting the talent, getting the team was easy. I already knew people in marketing. I already know people in the film world. So, and I told them, hey, I'm going to do this, but it won't be a struggle when I say, come on board. We're going to have clients. We're going to have work. Uh, so, but getting those first few clients, that was an experience. Um, what I did was I reached out to everybody I knew. And I mean, everybody. Mm. <laughs> if you're <were> friends with <laughs> people, I was like, hey, how's it going? Just reached out to everybody. I was like, this is what I'm doing now. Do you know anybody uh, who might be interested in the service? Um, would you let me know? I'm happy to give you a kickback. I'm happy to give them some kind of freebie. I'm happy to do some free work, which that always breaks my heart um, when I talk to people like in startup mode. But one of the best things you can do is actually offer to do something for free. Because reality is, especially when it comes to marketing, there are a billion marketing agencies out there and there are a billion marketing experts out there. Mm -hmm. And it's just so easy to go online and be like, okay, let me find a marketing expert. Uh, Trios 51, we've never, ever gone on record and been like, we're experts. We actually stay away from those type of people and that type of mentality. We consider ourselves students of the industry and we're always learning, always trying to develop. Like that. Yeah. So when we were starting, I, 
I was aware of that. And I was thinking like, okay, we know whoever I go to, whoever I pitch, they're going to say no for whatever reason. They're going to have objections, whether it's cost or in this case, they just don't know us. They don't know me. So having that site built to be like, here's a site that we have, having the blogs. And when we launched, uh, we had a really big library of blogs, maybe like 50 articles. So being like, here, you can look us up, you know, establishing that credibility, getting that referral from a friend. um, That was so big and so important for us to get those first few clients. Having that content on your site was huge. I really like that you know, hand-to-hand combat in the beginning. I mean, it's not pretty, but it's like, I feel like I hear that that story or a similar story or similar beginnings from lots of people I speak with. It's like, you know, you reach out to your network, you just hustle and just get, you know, one client at a time and just really build up uh, and I, from that, there. So that's like the reality. Like, I feel like so many people and myself included, I don't have anybody in my family who's ever started a business. And I remember like, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get these clients? There were so many things I didn't know, like how does payroll work? Um, Mm -hmm. And then uh, bringing the team, like I've, I've always been in positions where I've managed people and worked with people, but it's different when it's your baby. Uh, So totally different feeling working the nine to five life. Yes. I would still obsess about the job when I would clock out, but I'd still be like, okay, well that's that. With Treehouse 51, Bug Squasher, it is 24-7. It is, you, there is no clocking out. If things don't get done, you have to get it done. You have to find that way. Absolutely. I want to know, um, you know, you're in the agency world. You are in the SaaS world. You know, you're seeing a lot of what's going on in, in marketing and sales today. What are some trends that you're seeing in marketing and sales technology that you've kind of experienced, you know, just in your career recently? Actually, some of the biggest trends kind of touches back on everybody being a marketing expert. I'm sure you see these ads on Facebook. I oh, see yeah. Yeah. Sign up for my class. It's only $9.99. And by the end of the class, that class six weeks, you'll become a millionaire in the marketing world. Uh, so I get so many variations of that ad. And I thought it was just like me and people in my niche, the marketing world, but also we're starting, I'm starting to notice a lot of clients, a lot of leads are like, you know, I saw this thing on Facebook. Maybe we don't need your service. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I saw this thing. Yeah, maybe we don't need it. So mm-hmm. a really big trend I'm seeing is because of technology, the competition is huge right now, but not in a good way for marketers. Um, a lot of it's, I mean, I had a meeting the other week where we were talking about building just a basic WordPress site and the lead was completely for it. And then they were like, you know, I could just go on Fiverr and do a Wix site. And like that, my heart broke. It's <laughs> <I was laughs> like, well, all right. I mean, how do you compete with the $5 offer for an entire website? Right. You know, you, you can't, you realistically can't. So there is this shift I've noticed in a lot of customers where it's like, you know, I can do this myself. I can get a better deal. So why should I work with you? Now, the technology is getting better and better and better and easier for people to use that you don't need to have, you know, that big tech background to build a website. Mm -hmm. Um, It's good if you do and, you know, best practices, but it's not needed. That's probably one of the biggest shifts I've seen in terms of uh, customers. And um, something else in terms of like technology, well, what are we seeing? It's also that like the technology to do this stuff is easier and it's advancing so fast that um, the old way of building sites, 
even though you can build a website, right? My mother could build a website. Doesn't mean it's going to be a good website. Uh, there's still that backend information where it's like, there's still an art to it. There's still a process. There's still like, okay, why did you do it this way? You could do it this other way and it'd be easier, faster, and better. Yeah, absolutely. And to touch on the customer angle, I feel like, for example, the person who told you, you know, hey, I can just go on Fiverr and get a Wix site. Those are the same people that when you talk to them for the first time, they say, oh, you know, I tried this before and I got burned or I tried this before and it didn't work. And it's like, you know, you either pay for it now or you pay for it later. Right. You pay for it to be done the right way the first time, or you pay for it with, you know, your time and energy and whatever and on the back end. So how does a marketer, let's use the example of a marketer to put it in context. I like that. How does a marketing consultant position themselves to kind of wade through all of that muck or all of the noise that is going on in the marketplace and truly differentiate themselves and get customers, quality customers? What I would recommend is one, you have to establish that you're human. A lot of when we have these conversations, there's that fantasy talk. Well, I can just go on Fiverr and get this. Okay. Well, you still, like you said, you still have to spend your time to find this and you're going to pay for that later. Uh, So when I say establish, you're being human. When you find that lead, don't just send that email. What we do is we send video communications. We use Loom. Um, It's not the only platform out there. There's a bunch that do it, but you can video record a message to the client or the lead. Um, Try to find ways to add that human touch where it's like, okay, let me put a face to who they're talking to. Um, You'd be surprised. I prefer having lists, but everybody I talk to, at least our client side, they prefer when I send them videos. Mm. Um, They appreciate it. We actually have a lot of reviews where it's like, Kirk sent us a video. And I'm like, yeah, I sent you a video. it depends how what platform you use. Loom is super easy. Again, there's other ones, but videos really, really help. If you're not going to do that, what I recommend is try to find a way that adds that personal touch that makes you different. So for us, we use videos. Uh, we use the bug squasher. So we're known if we build your website, you will never text us. You'll never email us. You'll never Skype us. You'll never chase us down. You'll just go on your website. You'll click a button and you'll report a bug. It does not get any easier than that on the customer end. Um, So try to think of ways where it's like, okay, we know that um, as a marketer, when we work with clients, they've come across past problems that they're scared are going to happen again. They've had past experiences where it's like, oh man, is this going to happen again? Am I going to get ripped off? Is it going to go south? And try to figure out ways to overcome that or at least make that experience a little bit easier and a little bit uh, more pleasant for them. Got it. I'm taking notes too. I think this is great information. I'm also writing down stuff that you're making me think of as well. I mean, I love the fact of using video and establishing that human touch and not just through the communication, but also through the value that you really provide. Customers really do want to know that you care about them and care about their business 100%. I talk to a lot of people about cold email and lead generation and people are getting inundated by cold emails and most of them poorly written, poorly executed, but you have to do more in order to stand out because the amount of marketing communications that people are getting has never been higher. I know that LinkedIn, I guess you call it 
LinkedIn audio direct messages are also really underutilized right now, but very effective. And I've also heard a lot about good old physical direct mail or sending, you know, a handwritten or just a physical letter in the mail. Have you guys tried anything similar to that? Yeah, I was going to say direct mail. Like you said, there's so much noise going on right now. And we're getting like, I can't go on LinkedIn. If I go on LinkedIn, I probably have like 50 spam messages for people who are like, buy my service, hire me. I'm a marketer. Yep. You're a marketer. Let's connect. It's too much where I'm I'm not even like on LinkedIn. I rarely check my messages now because it's just so much, so much marketing where it's like, man, like, this is not effective. We actually did a, a direct mail campaign for a client of ours out in Vegas and they sell virtual offices, office space, they're in that niche. We created a flyer for them, some copy. They sent out the mail. It was super cost-effective for them. They had great results. They filled up the office space. And it's something now that they use that same flyer about every three to six months, and it works. And it works mm. because nobody else is doing that. Everybody is like, okay, let's use Facebook. Let's use Instagram. Let's use LinkedIn. Let's email blast. So don't forget about the yeah don't forget about the old ways of marketing. Um, so that's good. Another old one that I think is like really overlooked too, and it's something that honestly I was like, oh, we're not going to do that. But it's something we've been doing recently, and we're seeing some positive results from is cold calling. And mm. uh, I get cold called every week. I'm probably like six times a week, maybe more from just different companies. So I rarely answer my phone's another thing. But we started using that um, for the bug squasher and mainly to be like, hey, our angle is we're not trying to, obviously we're always selling, right? That's the truth. You're selling here. But that's when we call, we're like, we just want to give you a demo. We just want to show you the platform. Um, you're an app developer, you're a designer. And if you have 20 minutes, let us just give you a demo so you can see how this platform works. And for us, our metrics haven't always been sales. It's been the best thing you can do is find somebody who's like you, who sees it in a fresh perspective. So what we were doing to begin with was actually cold calling saying, can we give you a demo? And then these developers, these app developers would look at the platform and be like, hey, have you thought about XYZ? And then we're like, oh, no, we haven't. Thank you. We'll put it on our roadmap. Um, so consider that too. Uh, getting a sale doesn't always have to be the end point. Mm, absolutely. What would, let's put this in um, like a B2B, con I mean, this already is in a B2B context, but let's put it into like a scenario. Let's say someone is, you know, looking to sell to Kirk, right? Let's, let's, let's say, look, someone's looking to sell to Treehouse 51. What is the best way to get your attention? What is some sort of outreach or outreach sequence that you would say, hey, okay, I am interested in this. I like this approach. Let me see what, you know, he or she's got. The best way to sell to me personally is actually through YouTube. Um, mm, YouTube. So YouTube's owned by AdWords now. You can put up a video on YouTube and you can say, hey, I want to target males who are 35 in California who like System of a Down. You can do that through AdWords. And those ads do actually reach me. And those are honestly the only ads that I pay attention to. Mm. Um, and also the competition there on YouTube, it's pretty low. There's not a lot of people taking advantage of it. The videos that you do see are like the guy walking on the beach, holding the phone and being like, hey, I'm on a beach. You want to be like yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. There's, yeah, there's so much of that. But videos, 
would be something I strongly recommend. And the reason I say videos is because we all know we're supposed to be doing videos. It's the future. Nobody wants to read. Nobody wants to take that time. Videos outrank blogs. A lot of times what stops people from actually doing videos is because they're like, oh, this is this is going to cost a lot of money. But don't forget, there's that guy on the beach with his cell phone just recording. Yeah. Uh, so you need to get creative. You need to have a story angle. You need to have something where it's like, okay, because most people, uh, YouTube does have that service now. I forget what it's called. I want to say uh, RedTube, maybe? Where you can pay for it. Is it called RedTube? Uh, YouTube Red. YouTube Red. So you can pay for this and then you can get rid of all commercials. There's still not a lot of people doing that. And um, the advantages of that for you as a marketer is you can, again, go on AdWords, say, hey, I want to have a pre-roll ad uh, targeting this niche. And it's a great tool for brand awareness. It's something that we've used for clients in the past, something that we've used for the bug squasher, for ourselves. Uh, YouTube's where it's at. Very interesting. I, I really, I'm fascinated by that. That's very interesting. I'm going to look into that. Can you tell us more about kind of what's on the roadmap for the bug squasher, more about what you're looking to do with that business and, and just kind of take us through, you know, your vision for that and where that will lead? We have some new features coming out in the next few months. We've gotten a lot of positive response about the video recording aspect. Originally, the bug squasher, it started off as an annotation tool. So it takes screenshots and then you can annotate. Uh, you can still do that. And then we were like, well, what's better than a screenshot? Video. So now we have the video function. It's in there. Now we're going to be adding other stuff. It's just cleaning up the UX a little bit. We're also having a, we're going to be releasing an affiliate program. So that's something else to think about that actually might relate to a lot of marketers is all of us have products that we sell and that we offer. And the reality is you can only sell so much per day. So what I would recommend and something I've been pushing a lot on to people that I talk to is what if you could convert everybody you talk to into a salesperson? What would that look like? What would you need to get that done? Usually it's some type of referral or affiliate program. So I recommend looking into that, doing some research on that. It's something that we're going to be testing out with the bug squasher. A lot of SaaS companies have that where they have some type of affiliate program. So I think that would be something really good to consider if you're looking to grow or if you don't have the biggest sales team or you're just looking for ways to increase that revenue. Yep. I've actually been hearing a lot about that as well lately. Just affiliate programs and partnerships. And right, especially in the SaaS space, there's so much more new technology that's still coming in that, you know, working together with complementary complementary businesses, complementary products and services is definitely a good strategy to win more business. Absolutely. Well, um, Kirk, it's been awesome talking with you, learning about you know your background and your businesses and just learning your story and some of the ideas that you have. Uh, it's been super helpful for me. I know it's going to be helpful for anyone listening. How can people get in touch with you if they want to talk to you about Treehouse 51 or the Bug Squasher or something you mentioned during this episode? Uh, easiest way to get in touch with me you can go to either site and both of them either have a contact form or contact button and just go on that form and say hey heard you on morgan or i want to talk to kirk just send us that message it goes to our team inbox and the guys will be more than happy to be like kirk read this email (laughs) so that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for joining me today, Kurt. Really do appreciate it. You have a great rest of uh, your day. Thanks, Morgan. Appreciate the time. Yep. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.